Uh, I've also gotten into a new workout routine. Um, praise God, I'm so out of shape. Uh, and so again, Rosa, my inspiration, she's been working hard. And Jesse, these last six weeks, if you follow them on Facebook, you've probably been seeing they've just been working tirelessly at the gym and eating better. And I was like, you know what, I, I, I got I to get back in this. And so I don't know where I find the time, but we're working out together now. And um, I was a little funny about the whole eating thing because they're eating like rabbits and I ain't got time for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I like to eat, y'all. <laughs> y'all been over my house. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. I like to eat and clearly it shows that I like to eat. And so I kind of do my own thing when it comes to the meal plan and, and prepping my food. And I realized that, you know, all the other times I tried after I got out the military and I gained weight and all the other times that I tried to lose weight before, I always failed. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about today? How many can empathize? Okay, okay. I'm not the only one, praise God. I always failed because the object of my routine and my why was never big enough. And so it was always about me losing weight, right? It was always kind of a really selfish, self-centered kind of motive about why I was working out, why I was getting right and eating better. And my why just wasn't big enough. It just wasn't enough to motivate me and get me to where I was trying to go. And so this time around, as I was looking at, you know, eating better and trying to drop these 40 pounds, I'm 222 pounds. Uh, you know, as I looked at why in trying to lose 40 pounds and get back to a better weight, you know, I had really had to look at my why and, and what the object of what I was aiming for, what that really was. And I'll be honest with you, it had nothing to do with the number on the scale. Nothing. My why this time was actually this little guy right here. That was my why. My grandson was my why. And I said, you know what, I, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to truly dive into this and get better, it can't just be for me, it has to be for something else, something bigger and greater than me. And so I realized I wanna be around for him for years and I don't wanna be around and not be able to run with him. And so I said, that's my why. That's the object of what I'm shooting after and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so my faith in this program is centered on something much bigger and different than myself. Why do I share that today? Today I want to take you and dive with you into the text. And if you'll open your scriptures today, we're going to read from the book of Acts. Now, I've been spending a tremendous amount of time in the last few months on the book of Acts. And, and the reason I've been spending, you can turn to Acts chapter 10. The reason I've been spending so much time in the book of Acts is because I really think that we are in a similar place that the early church was in where they were in this transformational place in the life of the church and they were moving in different areas and flowing in the spirit and they had challenges and they had problems and all of this was going on. And I've really been diving in to see how did they tackle a lot of the things that they were going through and how did they grow? And so there was a particular chapter, chapter 10, that really struck me 
in a really interesting way for multiple reasons. Now, we're going to kind of do um, an exegesis on the text today. No, I didn't say extra Jesus, although extra Jesus is good. We all need a little extra Jesus. But <laughs> extra Jesus is really a, um, it's a term that we use to say how we're going to study and interpret and uh, dissect the Scripture. And so we're going to do a little bit of that today, and we're going to do it for some really interesting reasons, and I want to pull out some nuggets out of the text as we're going through it. Now, chapter 10 is a longer th- uh, uh, chapter. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to read a few texts, and I'm going to let you know what scripture we're in as we're going along. But this is a very, very important text that I want us to understand today. So let me paint the picture for you. So here we are. It is now, in Acts chapter 10, we're about seven years post-ascension, okay? Seven years after Jesus has ascended, the church is now growing. They've gone through some stuff. Paul has now been converted and saved, and he's been preaching for a few years now. But they endured a few years of some significant hardship under the persecution of Paul and, and, the, and the Jewish Uh, leadership. They even had some internal struggles too. We read about Ananias and his wife and the struggles that the church had internally. But you know, up to this point, we're seeing a real heavy focus on them preaching and ministering to the Jewish people, but something is about to happen. There's a transformation that's about to take place in this text that I want to pull out for you as we examine this text today. But the text starts out today not talking about some characters that we know and are familiar with. The text introduces a new character, someone that we haven't heard about previously, a Roman centurion. If you read in verse 1 of Acts chapter 10, it says, Now there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius. He was a centurion. Now, for those of you who don't know, a centurion is a man, almost a non-commissioned officer, if you will. He is a man who is in charge of a hundred men. So he's a man of position. It would take him 15, 20 years to elevate to that position. So he's no, no one new to this line of work. He was in an Italian cohort, something we would call a battalion today. It, It describes Cornelius in great detail, it says that he was a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave many alms or gifts, some of your texts may say gifts, to the Jewish people and prayed to God continuously. What's interesting about all this is he did all of those wonderful things, beloved, but you know what? He wasn't saved. He wasn't a proselyte. He wasn't converted to Judaism. He didn't uh, uh, practice their customs in that way, but he was a God-fearing man. Cornelius gets this vision. Cornelius is actually met by an angel. It says a spirit came to him in a vision and said to him that, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit just for time. He says, listen, I, I need you to know that everything that you've done has been received by God, and it is a memorial. It has been sent up, and it is a memorial before God for you. But listen to this. I need you to dispatch some men and go get somebody. I'm sending you out, or have you send out some men to go get a, get a, to go get a guy named 
Simon, they call him Peter. Now, he was a little bit confused, and quite frankly, he was a little bit terrified of what he was seeing here, and he responded by saying, what is it, Lord? Now, you got to understand, see, in this text, when he says Lord, he's not referring to Lord as a deity. He's not referring to Lord as in Yahweh, as in God. He's saying Lord as in a term of respect. What is it, Lord? And so the angel of the Spirit gives him this message And what does he do? He immediately, this is three o'clock, it says in the ninth hour. If you understand the Jewish clock, the ninth hour is three in the afternoon. It's a time of prayer for the Jewish people. Their hour starts at 6 a.m. That's hour one and so on. And so he immediately dispatches men to go get someone and he doesn't know why. It just says, go get him. What I found interesting about this text is they were in Caesarea. He had to go somewhere called Joppa. Now, if you don't understand the Jewish uh, or or the the, uh, geography of that area, Caesarea and Joppa is like going from here to Smyrna. And I live down that way. It's about 35, 40 miles-ish. And he dispatched these men at 3 p.m. So these men take off. Off they go. The scripture says that they arrive, think about this for a minute, if you were to walk from here to Smyrna, it would take you a little while. Even if you rode a horse, it would at least take you 10 hours. This scripture says that these men left shortly after receiving their order, and they arrived by the noontime prayer, if you read in the scripture. Listen, these men took off and didn't stop. They ran or rode their horse. It doesn't really give us any clarity in the scripture, but they moved all night. Let me ask you this question. How fast will you move when you get an urgent call? How quickly will you go when someone says, I need you to go here, when you only have half the message? Some of us won't even move with the whole message. How quickly will you move when you only have part of the message? When they say, look, just go. Will you move? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know why. What? These men moved with a sense of urgency and only had half the message. That's trust. I don't need to know why you said move. I'm gone. How many of you are ready to do that? If God says go, how many of you, without having the full picture, how many of you are really willing to push forward, to push hard, and to push fast, to go wherever God is calling you and only have half the message? These men moved, and they moved with a sense of urgency. And then it takes us to Peter. The Scripture moves us to a different place, and we almost just move right with them. We can almost, in your mind's eye, we can travel with them throughout the night. Mind you, it was very dangerous to travel in the night. These men traveled all night long, and they arrived at Peter during the noon prayer. It says, in the sixth hour, that's noon, Peter was praying. And in the sixth hour, it says that Peter, naturally, we all get hungry at lunchtime. It says, in the sixth hour, Peter grew hungry. What I find interesting about this is, in the scripture, it immediately shifts here. In verse 10, it says, in the sixth hour, he was praying. He was on the rooftop. It says, but he became hungry, and he desired to eat. Anybody ever been distracted when they pray? 
Anybody ever been in their time and in their moment of prayer and you get a thought in your head and it, it just totally takes you off course and you forget exactly what you're doing? In this moment, Peter was hungry and got distracted. But watch this. The scripture says, and then he fell into a trance. God has an interesting way of getting us back on track. It says that he fell into a trance. Now watch this. I love the way the Lord uses your situation and circumstances to give you a message that you can understand, and sometimes you won't. But watch this. Peter's hungry. He's praying. He's not praying about food. Maybe he is. I've been praying about food lately. But if you're going to die, you understand what I'm talking about. Peter's been praying, probably not about food, but he's praying, but now he's hungry. And what does God do? It says that all of a sudden, he falls into this trance, and a sheet falls from heaven, being held by each corner, and it falls to the ground. And on this sheet was animals of every kind. Animals in the air, birds, things that crawl, things of four-legged animals of all kinds. And the voice of the Lord came out and said, makes sense, he was hungry, eat or kill and eat. And Peter looks upon this vision and he goes, Lord, no unclean thing has ever touched these lips. And God says, okay, you didn't get it. He presses the rewind button, the sheet goes back up and it comes back down and the exact same thing happens again. Peter, kill and eat. Lord, I can. He says the same thing. Lord, nothing unclean has ever touched these lips. The sheet goes back up, comes back down. The Lord says it again. You know, sometimes when we don't get it, the Lord's got to show us over and over and over again. And God is showing this to Peter, and he shows him three times, and Peter still doesn't get it. And God presses the rewind button, but he doesn't bring it back down. And Peter's left so confused about what's going on here. Now, if we stop there and we don't continue reading the text, we would just assume that the text is talking about food. We would only assume that God is trying to help us understand that now God is saying that animals that he were once unclean are now clean if we stop there. But it's so much bigger. How often, guys, have we stopped halfway and never gotten the full picture and never gotten the full message because we stopped right there? We were confused and we were unsure. We let doubt, fear, and uncertainty cripple us, and we never continued to press forward, and we never got the full message. But Peter, even in his confusion, wanted to know more. And wouldn't you know it? Is Peter home? <laughs> There's a knock at the door, so to speak. These men who had just traveled all night, isn't it amazing how God brings and intersects things together in just the right time? And just as Peter sees this vision, these men come knocking at the door and the, the voice of the Lord says, these men are here for you. Don't worry about it. Go with them. Now that might seem not much to think about, but these are uncircumcised men. These are men that he cannot associate with. These are men he cannot affiliate with. And the Lord says, go with them. I have sent them. Go. Listen, sometimes in our lives, 
we hear a voice of the Lord and something is presented to us, guys, and it doesn't look the way we want it to look and we will reject it. It doesn't come in the pretty package that we expect it to come in and we reject it. It doesn't come in the situation that we expected and we rejected. And God is asking us here in this text, I need you to have an open mind because if I'm sending it to you, it's right for you for right now. And so Peter goes. Peter travels with them. Again, not really sure why. These men say, I've been sent to receive you. Peter says, well, why are you here? And they tell him all about their master. And Peter goes with them, not really knowing and understanding exactly what he has to say to this man. They just say, my Lord says you have something that you have to share with him. Anybody ever ask you to come tell somebody something and you have no idea what you got to say to this person? I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. They're like, you need to come speak to this person. Well, what do you want me to say? <laughs> no, you really got to speak to him, Pastor. Well, okay, well, I guess I'll go. And so that's what Peter does. He just goes. They didn't go so quickly, though. It says they left out the next morning. The men stayed with them, and they left out the next morning. Now, here's the text is going to really shift here. Because we're going to see, if I take a step back, you notice how the gentleman Cornelius, which we're about to meet again in the text, Cornelius, it says he was a man, he was a devout man, not saved. That he feared the Lord, not saved. That he gave gifts, not saved. Right? That he did all of these things and none of them brought him salvation. That this man, Cornelius, had what was an incomplete faith. Now, my message today is kind of twofold. See, I was setting the stage for what I'm about to share with you right now. See, the message today is about an incomplete faith and why it's so important for us to share the gospel. Here is someone, and how many of you know somebody that thinks that they're a good, that they're a good person? I don't cuss and I don't hurt people and I'm generally a good person and so God should love me because I'm a good person. How many of y'all know some people like that? Well, that was Cornelius. And they think, well, I believe in God, never mentioning Jesus. They'll say, well, I believe in God, but don't do anything for him. Or maybe they do. I know plenty of churchgoers that have an incomplete faith. They do all the church stuff and still have an incomplete faith. And this is why it's so important for us to preach the true gospel. Now watch this. Peter gets there in the text. It says Peter arrived in his house, and the minute that he arrived, it says that Cornelius, likely at the gate of his home, that he fell to his feet and worshipped. Some of your texts may say it, he worshipped him. That was later added by translators. But it said that he fell and worshipped. And Peter says, arise. I am just a man. How often can we idolize a man? There are so many times in our life where we will idolize a human being over God. Peter says, arise, I am just a man and not to be worshipped. And they gather together and immediately Peter begins to share, not knowing what he was going to talk about originally, moved by the Spirit of God. He began to share 
the gospel message. But you know what I love about this text? If you guys, if you really examine the text, you know what's interesting is he never referred to Jesus in the way the Jews would understand. He never said, he never called him the son of God, the son of man. He never used, he never called him the Messiah in this text. He never used that language that the Jewish people would understand. What am I saying to you? Listen, you can't go out into this world and in our community and use terms they won't understand. You try to go out and preach the gospel message in church terms that church people will understand and you wonder why there's no movement in what you are talking about to the people because they have no idea what you're talking about. And so what does Peter do? Let's look at this text really quickly. Peter begins to break down in a really interesting way after traveling an entire day and arriving around the same time that the angel of the Lord, four days later, told Cornelius to send his messenger. So four days later, at about the three o'clock hour, he arrives and begins to share this message. Now watch this, and I I circled these because I thought this was really, really interesting how Peter laid out his gospel presentation. The first thing he said was that Jesus Christ was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now, for us, that may seem kind of weird, right? Because we think of Jesus as God. So why would Jesus need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit? But Jesus was man and needed the power of the Holy Spirit in his incarnate incarnate form in his fleshly form. And Peter illustrates that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, that he was no ordinary man. And he says that he was filled with the Spirit and with power. And I'm going to read to you this brief passage because I think this is important for you to understand for the gospel presentation. This is starting in verse 38 of chapter 10 of Acts. He says, you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who oppressed who were oppressed rather by the devil, for God was with him. We were witness, we being the apostles and the disciples, we are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, This is important, guys. He granted that Jesus become visible, not to all people, but to witness who were chosen beforehand by God. That is, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. And 43, put a nail in it. Verse 43 says, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone, not just the Jews, see this is the linchpin here, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness. We're going to stop right there. He just gave him, in about five or six sentences, the entire gospel presentation. Now, Cornelius, again, already feared God, but he had an incomplete faith. 
Cornelius only had half the picture. Beloved, most of the people you know only have half the picture. You spend so much time worried about being a theologian and trying to get all this scripture in your head and trying to do all of this, and Peter just gave you the gospel presentation in about six sentences. Now, you know what happens to people who have half the picture and who have hearts that are eagerly seeking? Exactly what happens to Cornelius. Peter wasn't even finished with what he was saying. But listen, he said that he was anointed with power, he was crucified, he raised from the dead, and he is the judge of all living and all dead. Notice he didn't say anything about he was the Messiah. He used a term, judge, that Romans would understand. He understood what a judge was. And Peter says he was the judge of all the living and all the dead. I don't know about you, but that's a really simple gospel presentation that anyone that you encounter could understand and receive. There's not a whole lot of theological terms and stuff in this. It's pretty simple. We got to reach people, guys. Listen, this should be a really special text for every single person in here. Do I have anyone in here that is um, nationally or ethnically Jewish? Amen. Okay. So, see, you were in the fold. You were already in the fold, okay? But for the rest of us, this chapter should be a chapter of joy and excitement. Why? Because the message was finally given to every single one of us in this room. That the Gentiles were finally being given the word of God. And now we have been pulled into the family of God. Not because of our own merit or our own righteousness, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, if that don't get you saying amen, I just don't know what will. We have been brought into the family. And you know what, guys? There are so many families right outside this door that are living in an incomplete faith. That they believe in God. They believe in a God. And, and, and they probably do good things. They probably help out people and do all the stuff. They, they probably do all of that, but none of it will save them. It is up to you and me to go out into this community and into this world and share this gospel message. Simple. Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. Amen. He died for every single one of you for one purpose, so that we could be reunited to the Father, that we could be brought into Bedav, the Father's house. We could be brought into that fold and experience all the blessings that come with it. Doesn't that excite you? Maybe it's still too early on a Sunday morning, I don't know. But that really, really excites me. That guys, we have such a unique opportunity to share this gospel presentation. We have such a unique opportunity to strengthen our own faith. Maybe you, maybe some of you in here might be walking with an incomplete faith right now. Maybe your picture of Christ isn't the full Christ. Maybe you see him as a lot of prosperity teachers may teach you that he is all good and all loving, but he's not judge. That's not the complete picture. The complete picture says... That yes, he is the Savior. 
Yes, he is the Messiah. Yes, he did die on the cross for your sins, but he will one day come to judge every sin. That's the full picture of Christ. And we have to share that. Why? So that people can be free. Watch what the scripture says, and we're almost done. This wasn't going to be a lengthy message. In 44, it says that while Peter was still speaking these words, watch this. It says that the Holy Spirit fell upon all that were listening. It didn't say that the people did anything. See, they already had half the faith. They had half of faith, and it said that they just needed the complete picture. They didn't do anything. They didn't work for it. And the minute they knew the true picture of Christ, it says that the Holy Spirit fell upon them. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a falling of the Holy Spirit in this place. I'm ready. And you know what? I'm excited because I see the activity going and it may not be going as fast as we want it, beloved, but hold on tight because it's coming. It's picking up pace. It's snowballing and I'm getting excited and we should say amen to that. But we got to keep pushing. We have to continue to complete. And listen, it's a progress. Sanctification doesn't happen when you get saved. Sanctification is a process. Right? You're never sanctified. You're being sanctified. And it's only until death takes you into glory or God comes and raptures his bride. It's only until then that that's going to happen. And so we're working at it every day. And listen, I want to encourage you today because if you're right now, if you think that your faith may be incomplete, if you think that maybe your faith is waning and it's weak, don't be discouraged today. Open your word and receive the full gospel from the word. Call a, a prayer a partner and, and, and just pray together and uplift and encourage each other so that you could be lifted up in this word and so that you will be bold enough and filled with the spirit of God to go share it in the schoolhouse, in the workplace, and out in our community. But now is the time. As I wrap up this message today, hey, bless you. <laughs> As we wrap up this message today, I want to share just the last few couple points. In verse 45, something interesting happens here. After these uncircumcised people, these Gentiles, have now been filled with the Spirit of God, it says that those Jews who were present, those circumcised Jews, were utterly amazed. Why were they amazed? Because the same thing that they just experienced at Pentecost, when all those Jewish people were filled with the Spirit of God, has now been bestowed upon those who were previously not a part of the covenant. Those who were not able to receive it, and they were amazed. You know, sometimes we look at people and in their circumstances and we get amazed at that drug addict or that this or that that, that, oh my gosh, they just received the Spirit of God. And we stand in amazement because, let's be honest, in our hearts we were like, they ain't getting it. But these people were in utter amazement in this scripture. And it goes on to say, They were hearing these people speaking with tongues and exalting God, and then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water 
for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And this was a question that Peter was asking. Can he, can they also receive this? Can they be denied that which God has bestowed? And the answer was no. These people out in our community who are lost and struggling, they can no more be denied than the Gentiles in this text. God, guys, they need it. They need it in the worst way. Will you be brave enough to travel all night to go deliver the gospel presentation to someone? Would you be willing to ride hard, to ride fast, to ride without stopping, to go deliver them a word that's going to save their life? Are you bold enough? Are you brave enough? And it takes courage. Let's finish this up. In verse 48, he says, And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to stay for a few days. See, these people crave fellowship. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the world will no longer do. I know for me, listen, I, 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 I love doing things and hanging out with family and doing things. But, and my family gets a little jealous about you guys. I want to be honest with you. My extended family, they really get jealous about you, Emmanuel people. You know why? Because I enjoy spending so much time with you guys. They get a little jealous. My mama got mad at me yesterday. I'm not going to lie because I was doing community outreach and I wasn't somewhere where she thought I needed to be. And I said, mom, that's my family. No more or no less than you are my family. See, these people in this text, they crave that fellowship and they would not let Peter leave. We gotta crave the fellowship for each other. Some of us just come in on Sundays, guys. I'm not beating anybody up, but I wanna close with some of this, these couple points. Some of us come in on Sundays and we don't see each other the rest of the week. And we have no desire to fellowship with each other. But the scripture says when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and your spirit talks to my spirit and your spirit communes with my spirit, we desire to be together. We're drawn to one another. Are you drawn to each other? Are you drawn to this Emmanuel Church family? If you're not, I hope that you will be soon. I pray that God moves in your heart and that we can move in this place and that you will desire to come to movie night that you will desire to come to marriage class, or you will desire to come to the men's group, or you will desire to come to the women's group where you can receive fellowship and encouragement. But you gotta make sure you're hearing that gospel presentation. And it doesn't end. I, listen, sometimes I need to hear it again. How many of y'all sometimes just need to hear it again? Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, you just need to hear it again. But I wanna tell you what's gonna happen and we're gonna close. And I'm going to tell you this, it's not to be discouraged. If you go on to read in chapter 11 of Acts, Peter goes back to where he was. And he tells his Jewish brothers and sisters about what just happened. And they said, boy, are you crazy? That's exactly what they said to him. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I'm sure they didn't say those words. They said, Peter, are you crazy? What are you doing with those people? Are you crazy? Why are you hanging out with those Christians? Are you crazy you received Jesus into your heart as your Savior? Are you crazy? I'm just giving you a warning because this is going to happen. And I want you to help your friends and family understand that if they don't know, they just don't know. If they haven't gotten it, they won't get it. I'm sorry. 
but that doesn't stop us from moving forward. If they don't get it, we help them. We encourage them, we love them, but we don't stop sharing the gospel. There are some people in this place today who need to receive as we close. Derek, if you would. There are some people today in this place right now who have a half faith. They need the fullness of the true gospel. There are some people right now who believe in their heart that they are a good person and they do their best to do good works, but they just haven't received the fullness of God. If that's you today, I don't want you to hesitate to come and be different, to leave out of this place different than how you came in. If you need to receive today the full gospel, that Christ is anointed by God, that he was crucified, that he died on the cross, that he rose after three days, that he is the judge of all, he is the Messiah, he is our Savior. I don't want you to deny that today. I want you to come up and receive that into your heart. Don't leave with an incomplete faith today. If you're struggling today, if your faith is wavering, if you're unsure, you don't have to leave this place the same way. With everyone's eyes closed right now, with everyone's eyes closed, if that's you right now, if you have an incomplete faith, if you need the fullness of God right now, will you just raise your hand with no one looking around? If you need the fullness of God, will you raise your hand? Amen. You can put your hands down. <laughs> and thank you for those of you who did. But I feel in the spirit that there's someone who's, and I'll wait a few minutes. We're not in any rush. I, I, I know we got things to do, but I, I don't want to miss this. There's still someone else. I feel in the spirit that there is someone else who has an incomplete faith. If that's you, don't fight it. Don't deny it. You feel God pulling on your heart. You feel the Holy Spirit moving in you. He's been trying to move in your life for years. If that's you, you can raise your hand. No one's looking. There's no judgment. No one's condemning you. No one's going to make fun of you. If that's you, don't fight it. All you have to do is just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. You don't have to fight it. We're going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for opening up your kingdom to every single one of us. Lord, we were lost in darkness. And you did not have to do it. But you chose to include us with your nation. 
not to exclude them, not to replace Israel, God, but to bring us into them that we could all be in your covenant, that we could all receive forgiveness of our sins, that we are no longer ashamed, we are no longer condemned. God, we are no longer the things that the enemy would accuse us of because we have been made new in you. So Father, I thank you today for making us all brand new And we eagerly await a day, Father, where every tear will be dried, where every disease, every hurt, God, even death would be no more. And all that reigns is your joy and your glory. But until then, greater is the joy of tomorrow. So we hold on to the promise. Father, we hold on to you this very day. And so we thank you. Lord, we elevate you and we close out this service today. In the mighty name of Jesus, the people of God say, amen.